Welcome to Encouraging Change, a podcast that explores the relationship between motivational interviewing and peer recovery support. Your hosts, Laura Saunders and Chris Kelly, will engage in a conversation that combines their professions and passions, the spirit of motivational interviewing, and the power of peer support. Laura is a Wisconsin State Project Manager for the Great Lakes ATTC, MHTTC, and PTTC, and a seasoned motivational interviewing trainer. Chris is a project manager for the Peer Recovery Center of Excellence and an expert on peer recovery support services. So thank you for joining us today and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Encouraging Change, Using Motivational Interviewing and Peer Support. Today, we are going to do episode six, recovery planning. Are we there yet? With recovery planning, we're really talking about helping a peer through the process of not only initiating their recovery, but also some things that a peer recovery specialist might do along that journey that help it be a person-centered plan. So we really hand the reins over to that recovery, the person in the community that we're working alongside. And motivational interviewing has quite a few skills that it can help us build to stay in this person-centered planning zone. So we know as peers, people who have lived experience in recovery, the plan that worked is the one that we were a part of, the one that we owned, the one that we got to really put into place. And oftentimes we had helpers and supporters along the way, but it was that plan that we call our own is usually the one that kind of stuck with us and took us into a a self-defined life in recovery. So Laura... Welcome, and what do you have to say about that? Well, hi, Chris. Um, So in general, it seems like this planning is, I mean, in in any helping relationship, planning is a really important part of the relationship, a part of the process. That's what you're going for, right, is a plan, something that's going to work for this person. And so in any helper, helpy kind of relationship, planning for recovery or planning for things to get better is a big responsibility. So helping a person find and maintain a recovery plan is, is really important. It's sort of the, it's the end goal, right? It's what we're called it their self-defined recovery. So um, all the stuff that we've been talking about up to this point on our calls really is helping us work towards be better planners. And so I'm eager to talk more about this with you today. The beauty to me of peer support is staying in relationship across that continuum. And so peers were really, peer relationships have really been formed to be that safety net. So as people who are interested in recovery and exploring recovery and potentially even initiating recovery, have someone by their side throughout that entire process. And so depending where a peer works and depending if it's a funded program, it's, if it's a recovery community center, if it's a outreach program, all, you know, hospital-based program determines what that peer relationship may look like and how long it may last and when engagement starts and when engagement ends. But in general, the philosophy behind peer support is that we meet with somebody and we walk with them by their side 
throughout multiple different processes. That's something that drew me into the peer field because we often work outside of traditional systems. And even in my own recovery, you've probably heard me tell this story before, but I was just a rock star at treatment, like all four times I aced it. I rose to the top of my class. Um, I was the overachiever that I always have been. And where I really needed help and support was outside that zone. And that's where peer support can show up. We're often available as peers at that first call for help. So I know some great online recovery groups where it's even just through a Facebook feed, someone puts a call out for help. And many people in the community surround that person. And that person asking for help doesn't have to wait in line, make an appointment, get an assessment, be abstinent before services start. Services start right there in real time. And so that's another part of the peer relationship that I love. And it can be tricky because none of that is always documented. It's often, that's not the billable part of peer services. And so we can get, as peer recovery specialists, mixed messages because the most vital, engaging part of our work isn't the part that our organizations get paid for. And so my fear is over time, we'll see that engagement shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink. And part two to that is that I think we can build skills in recovery planning and how we get to that point of recovery planning. So you mentioned earlier, and we mentioned it also in the opening, the planning, the actual planning is pretty easy, but it's the road to get there that we need all sorts of skills and help with. Right, right. Yeah, the the planning process is kind of the, the thing that sits on top of all of that great engaging and, you know, deciding what you're going to work on and then helping the person figure out why they even are ready at this point or what what's contributing to them wanting to do all the hard work. And then, you know, planning is this kind of thing that sits up on top of this, you know, very long journey, right? And so, again, planning can be sort of seen as the easy process. I don't, I don't mean to make it seem like, oh, super easy. It's air quotes easy. But most people do have some pretty good ideas about how to get better. It's not a completely foreign concept about how to get better. You know, I, you and I have talked about this before, that I know how I could lose weight. I need to get more exercise and eat less, right? But it's in the absence of a strong why, it's a little bit harder to do the, the how. I, I see that happen in child protective service work. I see that happen in corrections, education, medicine, that there's all this pressure for people to start planning, regardless of whether the person is ready or regardless of whether they, they have a strong why. So I, I think once we've done that, and then, you know, the, the, that when we've worked on the why, that the how is one of the easier processes. It's just, I think that we get pressured to do it too soon oftentimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and there's often times as a person seeking recovery, a lot of the doors you walk through, you're almost required to prove how bad you want to get well. And so there's different ways. So we oftentimes see people turned away from treatment because they're, quote, just not ready yet in those types of things. And so I think there's some changes 
that are coming for our larger system. And again, peers are in that space. So often when we're working with an individual, we assume that desire to be well is there, um, despite maybe seeing different symptoms of their disease emerge that might tell others who can't see that, that no, I don't want to be well, I'm not ready yet. Peers see right through that. And we know there's this deep, deep, deep desire to be well and to, and to do the things, whether it's connecting with their family or having employment or getting a home or car, you know, these different kind of normal life things. Yeah, people people want to be well. They want to move towards well. And and am I we say people possess personal expertise and wisdom regarding their own lives and they will move in a positive direction when they're given the proper conditions and support. And so that having a, a person in their life, like a peer who truly believes that is is sounds like it's really, really important and that that's fulfilling an important part of the change process. Kind of going on this subject, Laura, what can motivational interviewing tell us what to look for in terms of their someone's readiness for planning? So again, sometimes there's a rush to that place, but I think it's some place we can spend some time. Yes, there, yes, there is a rush. And yet when people, of course, people become ready for planning, right? Like mm-hmm. they want to get better, right? So <laughs> They, they do become ready and, and people will show us. And if we know what to look for, we can better assess when people are really ready for planning. So what MI tells us to look for is uh, a, a couple of things. Resolve, less talk about being stuck, more talk about change, asking questions about change and envisioning. So if you're interested, I can tell you a little bit more about each of those. Absolutely. I found them really helpful. So one really big thing that people do is they, they you, you see a, a quietude or resolve come over them. Like it's just a resignation. It is time. It's this time. I don't want to do this anymore. And it's time. Maybe they're a little bit joyful about that. Maybe they're expressing a lot of relief. Maybe they're expressing some sadness. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's some kind of a, a surrender of this just is not how I want things to go for the rest of my life. Another thing that people might do is they might start having less talk about being stuck. All of a sudden, you notice that they're not talking about that side of their ambivalence. They're not talking about the stuck. They're no longer ambivalent. So they're not talking about, well, it would be hard or how would I do this or what would I like that? That stuff has started to disappear. And so conversely, what you also might hear is just more and more talk about change what their desires are, how they see that they could do it, what their needs are, what their reasons are for change. And then kind of along with that is envisioning. Like if I did this, this might happen. And this might happen. And this might happen. Six months from now, I could be actually doing this thing that's really important to me. Another thing that people do that it can be a little bit confusing. It can sound a little bit like, like stuck talk, like sustained language, but it's really a sign that shows they're ready for change. And that's asking you questions about change. Well, if I took that medication to help with my cravings, how would that work? Who could help me pay for that? If I did this, how would it work? 
And so, wow, could a peer ever be instrumental in helping mm-hmm. with that? But so not seeing that as a, oh, this person isn't ready, but this person is so ready that they're asking me the particulars of how change might actually work. They're so curious about it and they need some answers. And that's a, a place where a peer is an excellent resource. I, I mean, that's what I would imagine. You know, one of the peers' missions is, is to instill hope. Right. And be that hope. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking that same thing, like how important it is to be hopeful and confident that people can, can move in, in the direction of change. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And who better than a peer to do that? Yeah. Right. I'm just curious if we can do a little more exploration around motivational interviewing, like where it plays a role in that person-centered plan. When we have the opportunity, you know, the, I told you that people will show you that they're ready for planning. And mm-hmm. I think that the, the coup de grace, the thing that's really most important is if you think somebody's ready for a change plan or before you really move into that change planning process is to ask the person, right? Mm-hmm. So they've shown you some, some indicators that it looks like they might be ready for planning and you're pretty sure rather than just moving into planning ask the person if they're ready for planning. So, you know, asking questions like, would it make sense for us to consider how you might go about this? Or are you okay with us thinking together about how you might quit drinking or what you might want to do about your drug use or how you might take, start taking medications for, you know, your mental health issues or whatever? Or is this just too early? Is this just not the right time? Like, are you okay with this? What do you think about this? And so letting that, identifying that peer is the, own, is the, the penultimate expert on their own life and the, the person who really is going to be the most instrumental in deciding whether it's time to move to a plan. External pressures aside. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think we hesitate sometimes, all helpers, not just peers, but I think we often hesitate in, in those moments of asking almost as if the person is going to say no. They might. Yeah. And then what? (laughs) Then you get to sit there alongside them while they continue to sort out what might it take for them to tip over and be ready, more ready for Mm -hmm. planning. But, you know, the worst thing to do is to make a plan is, and then have the person not be ready. And then the plan isn't going to work very well. Right. Right. And then what does that do to the person? What does it do to your relationship with that person? What does it do to that person's feelings of hope and confidence when they, when the plan doesn't work? Mm -hmm. So spending more time and making sure that the person's really invested and ready for the plan is just, it's, it's a good idea all the way around. Yeah. So another place that I think MI could help with this is, um, and this is, I think the last thing that we can talk about today, but is just um, once people agree to make a plan is to remember to continue to be person-centered. So don't just because the person says, yes, I am ready for planning and these are my reasons for planning and I want to do this and this is all ready, that that doesn't mean that we as the helper just take over. 
that we just start in with the, well, this is, this is what I think you should do. This is what I've seen work. This is it. This is, it's this person to remember this person is still their own expert. They probably have some ideas about how they want to go about this. They certainly are the experts on their own lives. They know all of the inputs and outputs and all the stuff that's going to have to happen in order for their plan to be successful. So it's really important. I mean, we, we certainly can offer people information and we should offer them information, but we shouldn't just barf it on them, right? We shouldn't just assume that once they're ready for planning, they want our planning. So, right. So that we, again, that we're empowering them as the decision makers that we always as peers want to see what they already know. So again, stay curious. And what do you know about searching for housing? What do you know about um, creating a resume? We always want to inquire what they already know and then fill in gaps along the way, but definitely not just come in, like you said, and and fill their entire world with suggestions. I know that can be an overwhelming experience even now when I'm working towards something. If somebody just gives me a slew of suggestions, oftentimes I can't even really work through them all because it just can be, it can be too much and what works for them may not work for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like motivational interviewing is, is a helpful way to, to help frame up the planning process from a peer recovery standpoint. And today that's what we talked about. We talked about planning and planning is an obviously an important step to any change process and helping that person make a person-centered, personalized plan requires us to, you know, really judiciously share information and be helpful, but not overly directive, like looking to the person. Are you showing me signs of readiness? When I ask you if you're ready, are you ready? And what am I doing? What can I do to help you get more ready? Do you need me to revisit with you your reasons, your desires, your the personal attributes that you have that make you want to do this? And where do we need to bolster? Where do we need to build up your storehouse of all the things that are going to help you be successful in your plan. So it's, it's that person's plan. They have to be ready to even try for the plan to work and for that plan to stick for that person. So thanks for talking uh, from the perspective today. And next episode, we'll be talking about investigating, selecting, and using resources. Great. Thanks, Laura. Have a great day. Thanks, Chris. This podcast is sponsored by the Great Lakes, HETC, MHTTC, and PTTC, which are funded through cooperative agreements with SAMHSA. The opinions expressed in this recording are those of the speakers and do not represent the official position of SAMHSA or DHHS. Thank you again for joining us on the Encouraging Change podcast. If you are a new listener, please follow us on social media. And don't forget to like and subscribe to the Great Lakes current YouTube channel to access many more free products and resources just like this.